Welcome to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West, dedicated to the principle that America was better off when our TV shows featured cowboys instead of lawyers. We're going to say that until we die. Yes, indeed. <laughs> we die. Yeah, I'm thinking lawyers right here. Welcome to another edition of Emil Franzing's Voices of the West. I'm Harry Alexander Bunker to France. Yep. Across the table from me on the phone, someplace in California, is uh, our other co-host, Todd Roberts. Howdy. California. Howdy, gentlemen. How are you? Yeah, that's California. Oh, I thought it was California. <laughs> no, that's that's. I call it. I I call it homeless Lorna. There you go. <laughs> there you go. The home of the unwanted alien. Indeed. And uh, by the way, you know it's looking very holiday here at the uh, White oh, Stallion Ranch. Got, Christmas I know. Uh, wow. We'd love to wish everyone a merry Christmas. A cool you. And a happy Hanukkah. Yeah, because this is third day, day day three of Hanukkah, and we are not like those idiots at the college campuses. Hey, one of those guys resigned. Bummer. Isn't that a shame? Bummer. Lost a higher education. Bummer, bummer, and bummer. Anywho, uh, before we get into our guest, you've got some stuff. (coughs) Yes, I do. I got a couple of birthdays to start us off here. Uh, Back on Thursday in 1915, uh, the great villain, Eli Wallach, was born into our world. Uh, on Friday in 1901, David Carradine, he, he, he graced the Carradine family as the eldest of the boys. Mm-hmm. I want to share a little couple of little things here. Uh, yesterday, some friends of mine were in from out of town, took me to the Gaslight Theater. It's like an old melodrama theater here. And they did their Christmas show. A small town Christmas, and it was a hoot. We booed and hissed and hollered and carried on, ate popcorn. It was so much fun. Anybody in Tucson listening, give those folks a visit. You'll you'll have, you'll have a time of your life. Now I do have some uh, some of our uh, we closely affiliated with the Western Writers of America, and a couple of their. Uh, Old-time members have passed away, and I thought maybe we'd get a little bit of a tribute to them. I'll try to keep as brief as I can. Uh, one of them was Steve Zimmer. He uh, triumphed over polio, became a working cowboy. He was a longtime staff member at the New Mexico Philmont Boy Scout Ranch and a writer of nonfiction and fiction. Anyhow, uh, he descended from four generations of Texas cavalry. Uh, he contracted polio when he was two years old. Uh, he used crutches to walk, but did not stop him from doing any kind of cowboy work that could be done horseback. It's a bunch of stuff that he did. I'll leave that for another day. Another fellow that passed on was a uh, fellow in the Mexican, Mark Simmons. He was a historian, very well known. I was talking with Doug Hawking today about him, and Doug knew him well. Anyhow, uh, he was author of more than 40 nonfiction books, had a syndicated weekly uh, history column, Trail Dust. He was a journalist, and did a bunch of stuff. And then I'll close out here with uh, Dale Ellis Lindsay. Uh, he wrote under the name Ellis Lindsay. He was specialized in writing about outlaws of the old American West, wrote several articles for True West. Uh, he also wrote books. And uh, yeah. welcome, welcome to the big corral upstairs. And y'all did Cowboy Christmas today, right? Yes, we did. We did Empire. Cowboy Christmas down in Torrance. I'm glad you mentioned that because a good friend of mine, 
he had his band down there entertaining. Mm -hmm. uh, it was uh, Steve uh, Harrington. Uh, Saddle Mountain Band. Saddle, thank you for reminding You're me. Welcome. I was trying to read it on the card here, and I couldn't see it. But a uh, great, a great songwriter. And on his card, it says, it's not country, it's cowboy. There you go. I've known him for close to 20 years. He's a tremendous songwriter, great guy, past president of the, uh, of the uh, Tucson chapter of Western Music Association. And uh, we're going to try and get him on the show here sometime in the future. We shall. Yeah. All right, on to our guest. It is D.T. Christensen, uh, formerly of Arizona, now of Massachusetts. And he runs a website called Old West. It's Old West. The website address, oldwest.org. Folks, this is one hell of a website. It is yeah. just incredible. Um, there's bunches of things on here about this day in Wild West history, the lawmen of the time, outlaws, women, people, places, life in the West. Mm. Uh, <laughs> I haven't seen booze yet. Oh, okay. uh, and, and some latest articles here. DT, welcome to the program. Hey guys, thanks for having me. Most uh, most appreciative that you're that you're uh, coming to, to visit with us this afternoon. Um, what, how long have uh, I came across your website hmm, a couple months back? And I just uh, messing around on the uh, internet there, came across it, and I thought, whoa, <laughs> it's this, an interesting site. This, this, this is good. Uh, how did uh, how did this come to pass? Sure. So, um, my uh, my background is in uh, copywriting and marketing. Um, I went to Northern Arizona University for journalism, mm -hmm. and after that, just kind of got into writing and copywriting um, and marketing online. But in the in my spare time, I was always reading like Western history and Western novels, and it's always been Old West has always been something I've been just kind of like naturally curious about. Hmm. Uh, I was born and raised in Phoenix, and so I kind of, you know, grew up in the desert, grew up thinking, like, you know, the West is, it's awesome, because that's, you know, what I was raised in. Mm -hmm. So I really like that. Um, and then maybe, uh, I would say maybe two years ago, I started the website, and a lot of it came from, um, as I was kind of collecting books and magazines and journals and stuff, I would come across stories that... Uh, I hadn't heard before and I hadn't seen anywhere hmm. and I actually have a uh, over the years I've collected probably maybe four or five hundred of uh, the kind of old West magazines from the 50s 60s 70s wow. kind of those uh, old school ones where you, it's like true West and old West mm -hmm. and uh, frontier times and a bunch of those and I've noticed that a bunch of those stories that are in there you know they kind of they as the internet became more popular and those magazines maybe fell off a little bit. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of those stories didn't get translated onto the onto the internet, so I feel like a lot of those stories kind of get lost. And you know, I I read things that I feel like if I hadn't picked up that old magazine, I you know I might not right. have come across that story yeah. at all. Yeah. Let me ask you this because I, yeah, I love those old magazines. I read them when I was a kid. But one of the things that really attracted me to them was the letters that people would write in that, you know, well, my daddy was in Dodge City mm -hmm. and, or my uncle worked for this outfit. And I think there's, there's such a richness in the, for stories and history that has just never been delved into. And what, that's one of the things you kind of do 
there. I mean, Harry looked at your site, and I looked. I looked. They've been looking at it. And I love. I love those. It's just the right length, and mm-hmm. it's got enough information in there to make you say, "I want to know more about it." Yeah. 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 Well, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it. That's kind of the main goal is like, you know, with these articles, you know, they're never going to be exhaustive and cover everything. But the main point is just, you know, after you read the article, um, hopefully we can point you somewhere else where you can go really in depth. Mm -hmm. Usually that's books or or other kind of like journal style articles. Um, Yeah, it's just kind of like introducing more people to to some of these stories that maybe they haven't heard of before. Like like us, preserving the culture of the Old West. History, tradition. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. So do you have a staff that works with you to do this, or are you a one-man band? (laughs) So I'm mostly a one-man band. Um, I started out... (laughs) I started out trying to write everything, but obviously, you know, that's impossible to do. Um, so I have, a, I would say at this point, maybe two or three freelancers that I know mm-hmm. that are either historians or authors, and they're always open to doing this kind of work on the side. Mm-hmm. Um, so I work with them. And uh, so the whatever you see on the website is maybe two years worth of just kind of random stories. To be honest, there's not a, a whole lot of organization to it other than if I think it's interesting, we, mm-hmm. we put it up. <laughs> kind of like uh, our website. <laughs> well, feel free to crib from us anytime. Yeah. <laughs> you don't like it, yeah, don't look yeah, at it. I mean, it works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, I kind of, kind of, kind of come across. I guess it's kind of like a mission statement for you: mission to ensure the stories, legends, and folklore of the American West is shared and preserved. And that's that's our that's our goal. And I think I think we've got a kindred spirit here. Yeah, definitely. And I so I will say that uh, it's interesting because. Um, so I'm 38, and I feel like a lot of people my age aren't aren't quite as interested in the Old West as I am. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a few friends that are, but I've noticed most of the demographic is a little bit older than me. They're and dumber, so than that, <laughs> dumber than mud fences. Dumber than mud fences. But I, I do think that it is important for, you know, people my age to kind of... to. Yeah. Pay attention to these stories because you know at some point they're they're going to get lost if they don't get shared and, and saved in some way. Well, it's the history of the country too, you know. So, uh, mm-hmm. and, and I note that you uh, also have a uh, uh, this day in Wild West history newsletter uh, that folks can sign up to or sign up for. Um, you can do that on the website uh, and and. I mean, you know, and what, every couple days, I think it is, uh, you send out uh, this Day in Wild West History newsletter. Yep, yeah, it's definitely, uh, right now, so that's, I've been doing that maybe since August or September, so it's it's definitely a new thing, but something I wanted to work on is, uh, just selfishly, a lot of it is for my own learning, too, where, Mm -hmm. you know, sometimes I don't have the context that I'd like to to have for some of these uh, historical events. And so this newsletter kind of forces me to research a lot of those topics. Um, like you said, maybe a couple of times a, a week it comes out. Mm-hmm. Obviously, some of the big events, you know, like the gunfight at OK Corral, stuff sure. like that. Yeah. I feel like I have to include that in there because um, it's so popular. But I also try to include things that aren't quite as uh, well-known just mm-hmm. to cover some of that stuff. Todd Roberts, um, you got any so, yeah. questions? Todd? 
Yeah, I'm here. I'm here. I'm sorry. You got to put the drink down and pay attention. I, I apologize. You know, Nola keeps sticking her tongue out at me. And, I, you know, I, it's hard to concentrate. So, uh, DT, I have to ask you, you know, this this question, hear this all the time. You know, truth is stranger than fiction. So, I have to believe that through your pursuit of all these true stories, that each time you find one that is more magnificent or crazy than the last, that thought might cross your path that truth is stranger than fiction. So, would you mind sharing one or two of those that are really at the pinnacle of that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I definitely... Uh, so, in the few months, especially that I've been doing the newsletter, I, I found that's the case for sure. Um, so, part of the newsletter, too, is uh, aside from the daily emails, which they're not that long, you know, they're maybe a thousand words. Mm -hmm. um, I've tried to throw in some longer stories in there, too. And one of the more interesting stories I come ac came across lately is uh, in the Northfield raid, um, uh, 1876, I guess, when Jesse James and, and the James Younger game went up there to rob that bank. Um, <clears throat> some of the locals in Northfield basically kind of figured out what was going on. Mm -hmm. So they grabbed their guns and kind of protected the town. And they ended up killing two of the outlaws from that gang, um, Clell Miller and... Oh, Miller. Um, yeah, and one other one, Bill Chadwell, I think. Um, and so the interesting story about that is, you know, obviously the Northfield raid is kind of well known for being like the, the beginning of the end for that gang. Um, but one of the more interesting stories is that uh, one of the university students that was at Northfield, uh, he killed one of the outlaws and was shooting at the others. But uh, he was a medical student at the University of Michigan in Ann Arbor. And he was kind of like on his summer break, I think, with some friends there. Hmm. <clears throat> and so when they had these two dead outlaws in the street, um, they kind of asked if they could take the bodies because basically they wanted them to be cadavers for their uh, medical school. Ah, <laughs> so yeah. Basically. Uh -huh. And so uh, they kind of like, you know, obviously they didn't say like, oh, yeah, just take them. So they kind of made it like a, you know, wink, wink, unofficial they, they got buried pretty uh, pretty shallow in the cemetery there in Northfield. <laughs> Dude, the dogs and dug so them they, up. <laughs> yeah. So they ended up taking them and they, they put them in some, like, barrels that were labeled um, fresh paint or fresh pickles or something like that <laughs> and had them shipped to the University of Ann Arbor or uh, Michigan at Ann Arbor. And basically uh, for the next semester or two, they, you know, dissected those guys and, and worked on them and the family of one of the guys i think Khalil miller tried to come and get him um but i read different accounts of you know the the bodies could have been kind of uh decomposed enough where they might not have known who was who mm -hmm. so basically the the miller family ended up getting a body but it wasn't you know positive that it was Clell. Yeah, they um, could have put, uh, <laughs> put on those barrels pickled pig's feet because that's some people consider outlaws pigs. No, they should have put masks on it. <laughs> <laughs> so, Go DT, ahead. I got to tell you that although I thank you, I'm the one who asked this question, and I thank you for sharing the story. I'm never going to open up a jar of pickles ever again the same way. <laughs> oh yeah, outlaw. You're welcome start for that. Outlaw pickles. <laughs> outlaw pickles. I love it. Hey, I, I love it. 
Tell us about your trip to Selton Cave up there by the at the Reeves Ranch and the superstitions. That sounded like an interesting uh, soiree. <laughs> oh, are you are you talking to me? Yes. Oh, okay. Just want to make sure. Yeah. yeah, so, yeah. Todd's never been to the Skeleton <laughs> Cave, so that's, that's... okay. Bunker okay. wouldn't ask me a question that politely, DT. Oh, never. All right, that makes sense. It's just you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, so after college, uh, my friends and I kind of backpacked all over Arizona, like um, have a soup pie in the Grand Canyon and the superstitions a lot um, from Phoenix. The superstitions is like a, a pretty quick and easy uh, trip to go over there to go backpacking. Um, so at some point, maybe five or six years ago, uh, somebody told me there was a, a cave up there that was basically the site of a massacre of Native Americans during the Apache Wars of like the early 1870s. And so I heard the comment and I was always kind of curious about it. And then eventually I just started looking it up. Mm-hmm. And uh, so basically, I think it was like 1872 um, when uh, General Crook came into Arizona to do his Tonto Basin campaign and, and basically round up uh, Apache that were all over, you know, uh, central Arizona. Um, they they found kind of like the winter camp of these. They were actually Yavapai. They thought they were Apache at the time, but they were Yavapai. Um, so they found their winter camp, and it's kind of like high up... Uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with, like, Canyon Lake and Salt River that goes mm-hmm. between yeah. there. Um, so it's way up there, kind of, like, almost at the top. You, you wouldn't even, you really can't even see it unless you're, you know, specifically looking for this thing. It's actually a really good, you know, kind of, like, shelter or, or hiding place or something like that. Um, but a few years ago, my brother and I took a canoe and uh, left uh, Canyon Lake and went up the river, found the spot. And then we kind of hiked and scrambled up the, the canyon to go find this area. And we finally found it. And um, it was just kind of a surreal experience because knowing the history of, I think it was like 76 uh, Yavapai were killed in this cave. Um, and I think maybe 18 uh, women and children were were taken, were captured from that. But it's just kind of a, a surreal place to see where, you know, this real history went on there. Um, and it's something that not a lot of people know about, you know, it's not, there's not a ton of people over there. I've, I've seen online, you know, people know about it. Um, but you kind of have to know the history and you have to be able to hike up out there. So it was was just a cool experience, but it also made me realize like something I like, especially about Arizona Mm -hmm. is connecting these really, you know, interesting rugged places that are out in the desert that have real history behind them. And, and that was a good example of that. Oh, cool. We got, to, oh, okay. go we, we got to do our first commercial break here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. D.T. Sure, sure. Christensen is our guest. He's the editor at oldwest.org. Check out the website, Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, from the White Stallion. We'll be back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true West, where a large number of Westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and a hacienda. 
that's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home, perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. This is Eb Wilkinson at Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you're within 10 to 15 years of retirement and you're putting off retirement planning, my advice to you is don't do that. Ignoring your retirement planning won't make it go away. It'll just make it worse. Give me a call and let's work on your plan together so you can retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. Colonel was like a father to me, and if my life would bring him back, I'd be only too glad to stick my neck in the noose. But it won't. And in the meantime, the three men who dry-ghosted him are seated in this courtroom, and they haven't been tried. Take him away. But if there's any real justice, there'll be another trial before I swing. It'll be a quick trial of gun smoke and wooden overcoats for those three killers. This is the Voices of the West. Rocking around the Christmas tree we are back on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts with you, and uh, our guest is D.T. Christensen. He is the editor of a website called Old West. Dot O-R-G. That song is the number one Christmas song now. It knocked Mariah Carey off out of the top number one finally. <laughs> well, about damn time. Yes, it is. <laughs> Brenda Lee there rocking around the Christmas tree. Um, oh, back to the show. <laughs> back to the show. Um, DT, you have a, a section on uh, the website uh, called People and bunches of information about uh, lots of people. And one that uh, fascinates us is the 10 facts you may not know about Quanta Parker, the last chief of the Comanche. Sometime back, God, five, seven years ago, 10 years ago, uh, we had the great, one of the great granddaughters yeah. of uh, Parker, Quanta Parker, on the show. And um, she lives in Tucson. I don't know if she's still here or not, but it, 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 it was really interesting mm-hmm. what she talked about. And, and so give us your take. So, yeah, so that article um, was written by Joseph Williams, who is one of the historians that I work with. So he tackled that one. And just to be honest, like I have I have not read as much about Quanta Parker as I'd like to. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not uh, I, I don't can't comment on that uh, as much as I would like to. But 
next time I will be more prepared. <laughs> well, you know, no he, prob. <laughs> he went hunting. He looked. Teddy Roosevelt, everybody knows, loved to go hunting. Yeah. They they did a kind of like a hunting trip together, and part of what came out of that was uh, friendship. Rose, well, Roosevelt's desire to set aside a, a preserve for the buffalo. Well, and he, he was friends with with uh, yeah. Parker. So yeah, hunting buddies. You know, why can't we have presidents like that now? Oh yeah. <laughs> why can't we hunt presidents like that? Now? Yeah. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> you know, I want to go back to uh, the Skeleton Canyon thing for a second because it, 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 it kind of struck me, you know, because you know, you've done a lot of hiking and going back to backcountry. But when you go to a place like that, it's it's got to have a whole different feeling than a place you've never been to, mm. but there's no history to it because you find yourself looking for some kind of remnant or trace of what happened there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. <clears throat> so... Uh, when we went, um, so, uh, okay, so that happened in 1872. Um, the cave actually went kind of untouched by everyone, I think, until 1906. And a guy named Jeff Adams in Phoenix, I think he was a cattleman, he went out there and found it. I don't he, he probably heard about it. Um, so for, you know, a couple decades, everything just kind of sat there as it was. Um, so it, was, it, it sounds kind of gruesome, but it was full of skeletons. And um, uh, so I kind of looked up in 1906, the newspapers, they were reporting it as like, you know, 200 people in this cave. Wow. Um, And there's actually a couple accounts in the newspapers down in Bisbee that showed um, people who had, they said they were in the cavalry in that particular battle. um, And they kind of commented on what happened. Mm -hmm. Um, So for, for a long time, it went untouched. And then obviously when they, when it was found, you know, people took pictures of it and went out there. And it sounds like pretty quickly um, it got kind of looted and, and a lot of things were taken out. Mm-hmm. I think in the 1930s, um, the Yavapai uh, took out skeletons and any bones they could find. So I, when we went there, maybe 2016, there there wasn't anything in there as far as like, you know, there's, there's no bones or anything like that. But uh, a really interesting that is thing that you can see is there's like bullet marks on the cave. Um, So basically the way that this whole thing unfolded is this family, not family, families, I guess, like a winter camp, um, were uh, taking shelter in the cave and the cavalry really didn't have any good way to get a direct shot at them. Um, So they kind of went down below the mouth of the cave and shot up into the cave Mm -hmm. and all that kind of ricocheted down and and hit these Yavapai. And it was like, you know, it it was men, women, and children. It was just basically their whole families in there. So they basically kept this up for, you know, a long time until they kind of, uh, you know, the the accounts say they heard uh, Yavapai's death songs and, you know, it was pretty brutal. And then at the end, they went up and and there was still 18, something like 18 people still alive. Um, So one of the things that you can see that, you know, will never go away is the roof of the cave is just kind of like pockmarked with all these bullets. Um, and I'm, you know, there's, there's some that are very clear. That's what they are. Um, there's also, I think there's some kind of like signatures and stuff on the wall. I'm not sure if that's from, it might be from that time in 1872. Um, and then there's, you can tell the, the, uh, ceiling of the cave is, you know, it's kind of has fire or smoke 
uh, marks and all that stuff. So clearly you can see people were, were living in this thing. So seeing that kind of thing, you know, again, it just, it's really surreal. It's, uh, interesting to see, but it, it just really connects, you know, sometimes I, I feel like, you know, we read these kind of history accounts and it's kind of hard sometimes to connect that to like real people in real places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So in this case, it was when I saw that it just kind of like wow. I, I think that from that time on it it really kind of solidified how much I I enjoy reading this stuff just because it it made it seem like you know a real thing to me. Wow. It just kind of picked them to pieces. Yeah. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. which came first, uh, your territory supply or Old West? Um, so territory supply came first. So that was. Uh, I would say in, in some ways that was kind of a precursor to Old West. So that was when, <laughs> before I had three kids, I had a, a lot more time to go backpacking and hiking. And, we know and that story. That <laughs> 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 yeah. Classic, classic. Uh, that's how it goes. <laughs> but um, so, yeah, so uh, my brother and I started Territory Supply as kind of a more of an outdoorsy thing. And then I had another friend join and we just kind of used that as, kind of like an outdoor inspiration uh, website, like, you know, if we're going to go explore, what do we want to look at? What do we want to see? And uh, we worked on that for, I would say, five years, and then had kind of run its course. And I had started the Old West site kind of in the background. It's always been just a passion project, you know, where if I have time to do it, I, I work on it. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, with kids and everything, it's it, it was difficult to do sometimes. Um, but then once we uh, we sold Territory Supply to a different owner, and that freed up my time to work on Old West. And so yeah, so I would say in the last year, I've spent a lot more time on the site, and uh, uh, specifically the last few months, the newsletter has really been the focus lately. I read a couple of the pieces on Territory Supply. I, I enjoyed them. It was well done. Thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a fun fun site. It's just, uh, yeah, as we as my co- kids got older and, you know, backpacking trips were fewer and further between, it was, it was it, it's a lot easier to read history books at home than it is to go backpacking. <laughs> Are you teaching your right. kids about the Old West? Um, I'm trying to, yeah. I actually... Uh, so maybe a couple weeks ago, there's a Bass Reeves uh, kids book that oh, I picked yeah. up, and uh, it's actually surprisingly like detailed and not necessarily violent, but they don't hold anything back. So mm-hmm. it, it's a good kids book, but it's definitely not like you know they're it's pretty realistic too. So I, I thought that was pretty cool actually. And are they, they receptive? So D, go ahead. DT, I gotta ask. Uh, 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 you talk about in your people section of your the first step is John Moses John and Moses I always argued John Moses I always argued that if he put his everything he invented or responsible for be as famous as uh, Henry Ford yeah, no this day and I oh. just want your opinion yeah, I mean, from what I read and uh, just kind of looking at the accounts that I came across, like it seemed like he was very um, productive, but also almost had like tunnel vision as far as like, you know, 
not becoming the public relations figure that he could have maybe didn't like have it, marketers like back like, then <laughs> yeah exactly yeah. well let me ask it seemed you. like he was oh go ahead probably really good at what he did but maybe on the business side of things wasn't quite as good at that i guess you know i i, I came across right. that you had written for founder and i'm not familiar with founder what was or is founder um i'm not sure where did you see that it was on your website <laughs> On your on your uh, bunker Facebook. finds bunker finds these things that nobody else is able to locate. <laughs> I, I, I've got one of these hoof picks, and I just yeah, that's it, yeah, man. And I just scrape away till it comes to the surface. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll forget that one. And all right. Uh, well, then. Well, more than well, yeah. More than bunker has brought up old prom dates of gays. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, even remember. Yeah. Uh, all right. We need to take our uh, second commercial break here. On Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, D.T. Christensen is our guest. Check out his website. I really think you'll love it. Oldwest.org is the website. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, Todd Roberts with you. We'll be back with you from the live, uh, live from the White Stallion Ranch after this. Can you even imagine switching back to pen and paper to run your business? Every year, we become more and more dependent upon our technology. If your network is not set up properly, you're just one click or one email away from losing data critical to your operation. Arizona Computer Guru offers a host of services to prevent and protect you from disaster. From online backup services to email filtering to fully managed network services, Arizona Computer Guru is here to keep your network secure, your data safe, and your budget in the black. To schedule your free consultation, call 304-8300. The Tucson Trap and Ski Club is one of the best-kept economic secrets in town. This 900-member group maintains one of the finest shotgun shooting ranges in the country, featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and sporting clays fields, and hosts national and international events that bring thousands of people and millions of dollars into our community. The Spring Satellite Grand American Tournament alone involves 1,200 participants for 10 days. Learn more about this and their other contributions to our community at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com. This is Eb Wilkinson at Wilkinson Wealth Management. If you're within 10 to 15 years of retirement and you're putting off retirement planning, my advice to you is don't do that. Ignoring your retirement planning won't make it go away. It'll just make it worse. Give me a call and let's work on your plan together so you can retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Eb Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Cow's nothing but a lot of trouble tied up in a leather bag. Horse ain't much better. This is the Voices of the West. on Amo Franzi's Voices of the West, Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and John Roberts with you. Our guest, D.T. Christensen, uh, editor of OldWest.org. It is a really, really cool website and highly recommend that you uh, scope it out yeah. because we say so. <laughs> Let me ask you, you know, would you, would you, because we keep calling you D.T., would you rather us call you D.T. or Dustin? No, uh, DT works. That's kind of a nickname that my friends uh, threw at me, and I actually like it. It's, 
just okay. flows a little better for me. All right. I like it too. No problem. It's more cowboy. <laughs> You've got a uh, yeah, exactly. In the uh, uh, life in the old west category, there on the website oldwest.org, uh, there's an article: Ten Wild West Facts of Everyday Life on the Frontier. The you know when we do our show and we we don't have anybody that uh, uh, wants to talk with us. <laughs> Often. <laughs> talk, yeah, which is often we talk amongst ourselves, and we frequently talk about uh, the everyday life on the frontier and what it was like. And I, this article is is like <laughs> everyday life. Yeah, everyday life. Karen Harris is the author. Is she one of the other historians that you work with? Yeah, she is. Yep. I love this. Swinging doors, swinging saloon doors were real, not a Hollywood invention. How about that stuff? Huh? Uh, speaking of whiskey, it was god awful. They <laughs> <laughs> had arsenic in it. I reckon so. Powder hey, don't drink. The, uh, forget <laughs> dysentery. Just don't drink the water. Yeah, <laughs> beer was uh, popular. Yeah, and the old west had an opioid problem. Boy, I tell you what. Yeah, it sure did. Uh, laudanum and, and uh, Lydia Pinkham for the ladies. Yeah, for sure. Rest, oh, yeah. West was ripe with price gouging. What else is new? <laughs> Welcome to Biden, Biden economics. Yeah. Breakfast on the trail was grueling work. Indeed, it was. Uh, always, no question. Uh, frontier folks embraced poop-powered cooking. You know, those... Uh, bison chips. Bison chips, uh, they flavor up very nicely. And then cow, cow chip frisbee. You know, yeah. The Army declared war on buffalo. Now, this is one I didn't know about. Uh, U.S. Army declared war on Buffalo in the 1830s. Interesting. Insurrectionists. Yeah, they wanted to get rid of them, apparently. And the West had had strict gun control laws. That is something that we don't see very much of in many movies uh, about the Old West or in television shows or whatnot. But... there, there were strict gun laws. Adam I mean, and Dodge. Adam and Dodge, Tombstone, Tombstone uh, all kinds of places. You can't come across this line with your firearm or uh, park it here before you go into the saloon. I mean, you know, mm-hmm. th- those are, dare I say, common sense gun laws. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, they weren't restricting your right to carry, just not right there. Well, an establishment should have the right to say whether you'd come into their place or not. With yeah. And, if you've been drinking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah and uh, sheriff's uh, requirements were not pretty loose. We're pretty loose. You know, if you were between uh, bandit jobs, you could be a sheriff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let me ask you this. Uh, I, I noticed you had a list of writers that, of interest to you. I love writers. I, I, I belong to WWA just because of writers. Uh, J. Frank Doby, who I've read several of his books I love, Louis L'Amour, Cormac McCarthy, who, who kind of sets a, a new standard, you know, when he started writing, Eve Ball. Hey, can you talk a little bit about Eve Ball? Because the other guys, they're fairly well-known. She's not as well-known. Yeah, that is true. So I haven't read as much of Eve Ball as I would have liked. I did, uh, I had come across something basically, um, I think she was a teacher before she became a writer. I'm, I can't. I think that was the case. Um, but basically, she—it sounds like she kind of like immersed herself in uh, the Apache community around her, and eventually they kind of let her in and ended up giving her these stories that nobody else had access to. Um, at least, you know, like white Anglo writers. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Yeah, her good. story is... Oh, go, sorry, go ahead. Well, go ahead. I was just going to say, it's, it's very interesting because I think she... Well, whatever she did, she was able to kind of gain the trust of her, of these, you know, Apache community around her that nobody else had done before then. Well, the other writers I mentioned, is there anything you'd like to say about any of them, uh, how they influenced you or something like that? Yeah, I, I would say like uh, J. Frank Dobie, I, I really like because his, uh, you know, his stories are so much of what he covered you know, and, and so much history in general, it's, you know, you, I feel like it's so rare that you can say, you know, here are 100% facts of, of the case and this is what happened. So you kind of have to, like, hint at, you know, here here's what some of the accounts are, here's what some stories are. Um, and I find that, like, frustrating in some ways, but in, in other ways it's it's almost like when you're writing about the, the Old West, you're kind of... You're, you're writing about the West, what you know, what happened, but also the way it's told after that. Because um, I, I think there's just so many things that kind of the details get lost mm -hmm. to, to history or, you know, even eyewitnesses don't always have, you know, 100% correct yeah. uh, version of it's, what happened. It's one eyewitness. One eyewitness. Well, you know, Dobie, he wrote a couple of books that I was really fond of, These Thousand Hills and... Coronado's children, mm -hmm. and he and the Longhorns. Oh, yeah. Longhorns is if you want to, because there's so much history and detail in his stuff. It's almost it's almost like a, a education just reading them, and it's enjoyable. Oh yeah, I I really like uh, one of my favorite books of his is Apache Gold and Yankee yes. Silver. Yes, um, that one's really good, and and I kind of like too. He he even has like a disclaimer, basically saying you know this is. This is not 100% documented, documented history. This is kind of like the stories that are told of, of these things. Yeah, the way so I, I kind of, I kind of like the way he takes uh, an approach there. Yeah, the way I heard him. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Todd Roberts, jump in there. So, TT, uh, I find it so that you talk about Frank Hamer, somebody that truly descended old west to the old west, being that he hunted outlaw uh, on horseback, a single action, and he eventually brought the eyes of uh, Billy uh, Clyde Barrow and Bonnie. Uh, and so, what do you have? And you've seen the film High Wolf, um, with uh, Foster and Woody Harrell's. What would you like to share that we don't know about Frank Hamer? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I have not seen that uh, that movie, um, but I do know that when I was kind of looking at Frank Hamer and his story, um, it, it seemed like in a lot of ways he was not really super popular. Um, like it seems like he was just a very like old school Texas Ranger where you could see him, you know, in, in the in the 1800s being like an original Texas Ranger, but the the fact that he was you know in the nine was it the 1930s that he caught uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Yes. Yeah. Um, so you know, it, it kind of seemed like, of course, you know, the the classic days of the Old West were were gone by then. But I think he just had that kind of like old school, old west mentality where, 
you know, he was going to get the job done. Um, he wasn't, he, he, it wasn't like a popularity contest for him. Mm -hmm. So I kind of, I, I like that. It, it seemed like he was kind of a throwback, uh, ranger in a lot of ways. Yeah. He was from the yeah, old he school. Yeah. He that habit. Yeah. Okay. So, that habit. I tell him. So, so, oh, the, yeah. so the question is then did in fact, uh, he was vilified for the, the killing of, uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Um, so <laughs> that depends who you talk to. Uh, that, 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 again, there you go. Uh, the the vehicle is just ridden with tons of bullets. Was was that excessive force, maybe, or not? I think it was just enough. I think probably you're right because <laughs> because of how those two criminals carried out their criminal career yeah. with lots yeah. of guns. And you know, an interesting footnote about Hammer is he actually worked as a technical advisor on a couple of movies. Did he really? Yeah. It's like a Wyatt Earp, wasn't he? Yeah. That's cool. <laughs> That's funny. Well, you know, this, this is, I found this, this one thing fascinating. 74 Western tattoo ideas from cowboy skulls <laughs> to scorpions. Uh, that was just, I thought that was so delightful. Yeah. And I was looking at the pictures, and some of those, those tattoos are just wild. I'm looking for a new tat. <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's. How did you come up with the some, idea for there's that? There's some wild ones in there. Was that um, So was that I'm after? actually. Uh, <laughs> that's my. At the very top, that very top picture, those are my arms. Oh! And, uh, I, have... <laughs> <laughs> a, a disclaimer yeah, this so, is the first. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so when I was at uh, NAU, I got a couple tattoos and then I accidentally became addicted and I just uh, ended up getting my arms done. <laughs> That happens. And, but I try to get a lot of uh, <laughs> of Western kind of like symbols yeah. and icons and stuff like that. Um, so yeah, once I once I had a, a handful, I was like, all right, well, I'm going to see what else is uh, what else is out there. And there's some really creative, interesting ones. Oh, yeah. Just it, it's actually a really popular uh, theme for tattoos. It's kind of like the old uh, Americana. Kind of almost like sailor style, sailor Jerry, yeah. Jerry style, but for the American West. It's funny you mentioned that when I was in the Navy going through boot camp after the very, you know, because you're in there for like six weeks or something before you, they let you go to town for one day. Mm -hmm. How many of the guys came back with tattoos, mm -hmm. which you're not supposed to do, you know? It was just, it's like a Navy tradition. <laughs> did oh, the, yeah. Did uh, the Cowboys in the Old West uh, sport tattoos? I don't. I don't think they did. I because I, I remember when I was uh, researching Olive Oatman, um, who was abducted in Arizona. I think 1850s. Mm -hmm. um, she when she got her chin tattoos, it it seemed like at the time it was a pretty you know crazy thing that happened. So I'm assuming they they that it, it wasn't uh, common back then. You talking about Francis Oatman? Uh, Olive Oatman. Olive Oatman, excuse me, thank you. Uh, yeah, because, yep. uh, you know, it's like she would, she she kind of made a living after she came back to civilization going around giving talks about life with the Mojave and her tattoos. Well, yeah, there was a character in uh, the series Hell on Wheels. Oh, really? Uh, that uh, oh, yeah. was supposed to be like her. Oh. She had tattoos on the chin. Yeah. Uh, she was uh, captured by the Mojave and whatnot. And she was a whore, um, and I um, mean yeah, that's what she did, you know. Well, you had to make a living yeah. somehow, yeah. Well, well you, know, you go yeah. up to the north. Good friend, friend, and 
who was a director and left us and was in a great last film, The Lanto Woman, which was Oliver Leonard. Mm-hmm. And it was a film, and it's based about that woman fictionalized, but that woman and she into some and her husband her out uh, in a death cabin from town and just keep keep saying, well, somebody got to come back to you. Who uh, really with shame wanted to do it. Well, you know, along the Tingland in the, in the yeah, northern Indian of Alaska up there in Canada, the tattooing is real popular and it's making a great comeback among the women. Mm-hmm. And that's including facial mm-hmm. tattoos. All right, we're going to take our final break here on Amal Franzi's Voices of the West. Our guest is D.T. Christensen. He's the editor of OldWest.org, and if you haven't checked it out, you ought to do that because it's way, way cool. Harry Alexander, Bunker to France, and Todd Roberts will be right back. Arizona, the land of cattle, copper, and cowboys. It's also the true west where a large number of westerns were built. For your next vacation, come out to where Wyatt Earp made a name for himself as a highly respected sheriff. Stay where Jimmy Stewart filmed Winchester 73. That would be the White Stallion Ranch. Situated in the mountains just northwest of Tucson, the White Stallion Ranch is an award-winning dude ranch with 43 guest rooms and the Hacienda. That's a five-bedroom, three-bathroom home perfect for larger families, family reunions, and girlfriend getaways. Every guest room has a private patio with views of the cactus gardens, mountains, or corrals. Generous floor plans offer sunny, comfortable rooms, but you won't want to stay in your room. Outdoor activities are plentiful at the White Stallion Ranch. Horseback riding, hiking, shooting, archery, rock climbing, e-biking, and a weekly ranch rodeo are among the numerous activities that you'll enjoy on your ranch vacation. Go Western for your next getaway. The White Stallion Ranch. Book your vacation now online at whitestallionranch.com or call 520-297-0252. This is Ed Wilkinson of Wilkinson Wealth Management, where we manage money for gun owners. When people turn 50, something miraculous happens. They start to get serious about retirement planning. They've done very well so far and want to be certain they power into the retirement they've earned. Let me guide you to retire comfortably and remain comfortably retired. Call me, Ed Wilkinson, at 777-1911. That's 777-1911. Besides bringing millions a year into this community with national and international events, the Tucson Trap and Skeet Club at 7800 West Old Ajo Highway services the local shooting sports community with a 380-acre site featuring trap, skeet, five-stand, and two sporting clays fields, as well as a 9,000-square-foot clubhouse, which all is available to local shooters, and soon an archery range. Check it out at TucsonTrapAndSkeet.com or take a drive out west of town and see it for yourself. New members or single-day use, welcome. I'm Mr. Red. No doubt you've heard about rescue groups for dogs and cats. But did you know there's a rescue group for horses? That's right. It's called Horse It Around Rescue. Founders Steve Boyce and Teresa Worrell are helping out all those equine victims of neglect and cruelty by giving them a place to restore their health and wellness. 
and Horse It Around provides a nurturing and natural environment where horses can be horses, so they can be adopted out into forever homes. More than 120 horses, mules, and donkeys have been adopted out, but like everything else, it costs money to run the project. Horse It Around is a 501c3 nonprofit located in southeast Arizona. Your tax-deductible donations to Horse It Around will go a long way so those horses can be horses. Check out the website, horseitaroundrescue.org. Make a difference in a horse's life. That's horseitaroundrescue.org. Sam told me you boys were back. Why didn't you go with the Phantom? Frontier figured Evans and the girl took a back trail. He wanted to go after them alone, so he sent us back with a buckboard and the old jet. What happened to Jeff? He won't be helping Evans and the girl to escape anymore. By now, he's just another customer for Boot Hill. This is the Voices of the West. Santa had a cup of coffee and he ate a little snack. Throwed his old pack right over his back. Opened the window of his little shack and shouted, Oh, dash around down so big, son, and blitzen, come on here. We're gonna get a going and spread some cheer. So limber your legs and shopping your hooves, cause the night is the night we're gonna jump to the roofs. Well, the reindeer, they were so proud and grand to take another trip all over the land. We're back on Emil Francie's Voices of the West. Harry Alexander, Bunker to Branch, Todd Roberts with you. A little bit of Hank Snow there in the rain, dear Boogie. As we wish happy holidays, Merry Christmas, happy Hanukkah to uh, uh, all of our uh, listeners. Yeah, whatever whatever you celebrate this time of year, happy holiday. Yeah. We do Merry Christmas and happy Hanukkah, so there you have it. Our guest, D.T. Christensen, uh, editor of OldWest.org. Now comes the time for yes. shameless promotion, D.T. Tell everybody what they need to know about <laughs> you. What you got going and coming up? All right, I like I appreciate that. Um, so yeah, so the the website is oldwest.org. Um, we we post stories here and there, but I, I would say right now the focus is really the this day in Wild West history newsletter. Mm-hmm. Um, so if you go to the site, you'll see that link at the very top. That's kind of the focus right now. Um, <clears throat> we also get feedback. You know, everybody that signs up, I think. Uh, it, it's been a really popular thing so far. We yeah. we have over ten thousand readers wow, um, on cool. the email list, Damn. and so people really uh, really enjoy seeing kind of like putting the the events into a context with the date. I think they really like that. Yeah. Um, but I ask for feedback. So if there's you know things that people want want to see covered, you know I'm always open to that, um, and I'm always open to hearing you know kind of like the lesser known stories that are out there. Uh, like you mentioned before, in, in these old magazines, they have these sections where it says, you know, it's like trails gone cold or, you know, yeah. people basically trying to pick up the clues of, of what happened. Mm-hmm. I, I really like that idea, and I kind of want to bring that into the to the newsletter as well. Um, so I'm always open to feedback. And uh, one thing that's interesting is a lot of people uh, mention that they want to hear kind of like what the reality of, of life in the West was. They're, they're kind of tired of the... Yeah glamorized version or the Hollywood version and they just kind of want to know what, what the real mm-hmm. deal was basically it's mm-hmm. yes, well, real ten times more interesting yeah than, it you is know, you, you, know, you know like the cannibals in the west and, yeah. so with, with that said what is uh, what's your favorite western DT Oh, so uh, <laughs> stump, <Duncan> movie. <laughs> stump the guest yeah. the surprise so, question <laughs> 
Right now, it, it changes a lot, but right <laughs> right now, I like the movie Hostiles from a couple years ago. Oh, that's right. a great yeah. movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very, yeah, I, I really yeah. like that one. I, I thought it was very uh, kind of, you know, it wasn't like you know, too Hollywood or too glamorized or anything. Mm-hmm. I thought it was pretty realistic. Um, and then also TV-wise, I, I really liked Hell on Wheels a lot. Yeah, Harry just finished. Yeah. We, we just finished watching the uh, final season and, and final episode, and I, you know, I got the feeling that they must have learned on the set that day that that was the end. They needed to wrap, and so they had to close up all the stories real fast, and were left holding the bag. The the viewers left holding the bag, wondering, really, that that's what happened. Um, oh yeah, you know, the gentleman did it. Yeah, I, I think they could have done a better job in in finishing the story. But um, anyway, that's my take on well, it's it. Like so. I told you, you know, a lot of times they don't know they're they touched their last yeah, season. And yeah, all of a sudden, yeah, it's yeah. there on them. Do you, do you uh, yeah. do you like B westerns? Um, here and there, yeah. Okay. Well, we 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 love them, and we hardly recommend. You dig into the, especially the '30s, oh, yeah. Harry Carey's, and oh, yeah. the silent yeah. westerns. Yeah, they are good stuff. Okay. Good, stuff. good stuff, man. Yeah, I mean, it, it's stuff that when you when you watch these, you you think, hey, they didn't need wardrobe. That is their wardrobe. <laughs> you know, oh, yeah. And, and so that that's just that's what makes it so cool. And so interesting. One of our favorites is Colonel Tim McCoy. Yeah. And uh, I mean, he had a Wild West show. He he was uh, Indian agent. I- Indian agent. Artillery he was artillery officer. It was World War he was the youngest general officer in the United States Army history. I think still that still holds. And uh, commandant of the Wyoming National Guard, Army National Guard. That the man was just incredible. He was real. And he was real. He he. He had a ranch down near uh, Rio Rico, uh, around Nogales area, and died in 1978 at Fort Huachuca Hospital. Um, and so, like, <laughs> wow, you know. <laughs> yeah, these guys. Are just, you, you know, you look at you look at the old time cowboy actors. So many of them came out of the Wild West yeah, shows yeah. and whatnot. And it's just like you know, after World War II, so many of the actors coming back from the war. These guys. Had been shot at. They weren't. These weren't guys pretending to be shot at. These were guys that actually had been shot at. Oh yeah. And it added something to them. Yeah, it really did. Anyway, you've got yeah, that makes you, sense. you've got sir one hell of a website. It is uh, yeah, I love very it. very yeah, incredible. I love, I, I love the layout. I love everything that's about it. Uh, Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah. No. It's. Uh, well, you know, you, you, that's the kind of website for me that makes it hard to research. I know because I get I, I start Side reading the stories and I get sucked into the story, <laughs> and then, and then you move on to another one. Yeah, I could have yeah. you know, dug up some oh, more yeah. stuff about his grandfather if I'd had time. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Anywho, yeah, trying to focus is one of my biggest uh, issues. <laughs> I, I myself have to. Do. I understand that one really. Yeah. I sure do. Yeah, Harry. Harry doesn't focus at all. Yeah, no, no, I'm totally out of focus. DT, thank you so much for joining us this afternoon. Love it so much. Uh, DT Christensen, editor of OldWest.org. If you haven't found the website yet, do it and yes. enjoy it. Bookmark it. Sign up for the uh, This newsletter. Day in Wild West History newsletter. You will love it. Next time we get together here on Emil Franzi's Voices of the West, we got us a goodie coming oh, up. Oh yes. 
We're going to learn the art of Apache knife fighting. Yes, I'm ready. I've I've been sharpening my knife all week. He's got the whetstone (laughs) out. With uh, uh, Robert Redfeather, who is a... uh, Todd Roberts found uh, this gentleman for us. And uh, he is uh, an accomplished warrior. Martial uh, artist. Martial artist. Military warrior. Instructor. yeah, I, actor. I, I want I want this guy with me when I go into a bar. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and when you come out too, because you know no, you'll come out if you're into the bar. It's when you act the bar. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Anywho, oh, yeah, sure. that's it for this edition of Amo Franzi's Voices of the West. Seventy-eight, seventy-nine, eighty. Oh, going west. Appreciate it. All right, thank, thank you, and you. So long, everybody. Thanks for listening to Emil Franzing's Voices of the West.